So why do we teach? Why are we involved in education? And I was feeling that what really drives us is this urge to help those we teach and those we work with in education discover the real need of the soul. And what does Srila Prabhupada say is the real need of the soul to become free? Oh, I should ask, because we've started 15 minutes late, what is my time? Well, we started 10 minutes late, so... 15. It was supposed to be 12.20. It's 12.35. Oh, okay. Yes, I understand the details. So if we make it 22, if we can. Okay. Okay. So what we, what the need of the soul is to find real freedom, and that's what we're teaching for. We're teaching to free the living entity from the modes of material nature, and not just to free them into some kind of Brahma Nirvana, like a Buddhist, but to free them into the association of the Lord to meet the complete spirit and find real freedom there. And we're not looking just for that as far as the individual, but we're also in education because we want a whole society where there's enthusiastic service that's individual, spontaneous, and voluntary, where each of the people that we teach can realize this is really who I am. If we think, what is the perfection of life? It's finding who I am and using who I am in the service of the complete whole. So it is that freedom for which we're teaching, what we're looking for. We want to bring our students and the society out of the modes of material nature to real, you like that one? To real freedom. Oh, may, could we have less light? We have these curtains, at least they're closed. That would be helpful. Thank you so much. And this is the way it feels when we're successful at that. You know, we're teaching, and the people we're teaching, and our educational programs are relevant and relatable. They, they work. People are there saying, this is what I need. This is what I can use. And we see that there's a connect between what we're teaching and our educational programs and the individual lives of those we're teaching, plus the society as a whole. How we start to see that we're really building an international society for Krishna consciousness. But sometimes it's not like that. Sometimes we feel that there's a disconnect. Sometimes we see that the edu educational programs in our society are not relevant and relatable. They're not meeting the real needs of the people that we serve. They're not preparing them for their life. I'm close to the tail end of a world tour, and I've heard this a lot, just in the last few months from people in Europe, in Africa, in India. The education I received in ISKCON didn't prepare me for my life. It didn't prepare me for what I needed to do. It didn't prepare me to be a devotee individually. It didn't prepare me to build a society. Wherever I go, I hear people saying, I've got to get my education elsewhere. 
I've got to build a Christian conscious society on my own. And that's not the way it's supposed to be. I mean, if we look in the Shastra, what does Srila Prabhupada say education is supposed to be? It's supposed to prepare people with the real values of life and for what they're going to do on a practical level. I love this quote, one of my favorite. Okay? What was the Brahmachari Ashram for? To understand the values of life along with taking specific training for a livelihood. Imagine if we had this at the core of our strategic planning. What are our temples for? What are, what are our brahmacharya ashrams for? What are all of our education programs for? Values of life and specific training for what you're going to do. <laughs> Look what Krishna Balaram learned. Now, this isn't the whole list. Whenever anyone tells me, we have a traditional gurukul, I say, oh, do you teach flower airplane making? I'm sorry. But if you look at what Krishna and Balaram learned, they learned how to construct residential buildings, to recognize valuable jewels, to study soil, find minerals, how to study herbs and plants, to crossbreed plants, practical psychology, how to influence other people's minds. Could you imagine? If, if we started having educational programs in our right Christian movement, where we taught the kind of things that Krishna and Balaram learned, how many people do you think would be signing up to come to our programs? Learn how to build flower airplanes, play musical instruments underwater, read other people's minds, and control their minds, too. <laughs> That's basic <fake> education. <clears throat> yes. All right. So if we find ourselves in this situation where we want to connect, we want to be real. We want our teaching to have impact. We know how that feels when it happens. When we have educational programs where people say, I use this, it's great, it helped me. And we see that the programs play out on a society-wide level. And we know the other kind of feeling when we've prepped maybe for weeks, maybe for months, and we're up there in front of the group and we're teaching and we're thinking, what are they going to do with this? How is this going to really help them? And we see educational programs, and people finish them, and they still don't know how to live a life in Krishna consciousness. And they still don't know how to build a society. And they have to find these things out elsewhere. So what are the answers? Well, thankfully, we're not the first people who ask these questions. We're not the first people who had these problems. And therefore, we can go to Sadhu Shastra and Guru to find the answers. So first we're going to look at the answers in principle, in theory, shall we say. And then we're going to look at the answers in practice. How do we do this? And then I'm going to give you a little guideline and ask you to do it, not this particular moment. And then we're going to envision what it would look like if we all did this. So let's look first at Sadhu Shastra Guru. What are the principles by which we can have relevant and relatable education, a relevant and relatable strategic plan to have a real society where people can actually find that freedom? How do we know something's alive? How do you know the difference between a living thing and a dead thing? 
Well, you can say it's consciousness. But how do we know something is conscious? So we can say that say there's two symptoms. Something that's conscious retains its sense of identity. We always talk about that right? That although we're changing our bodies, we have the same identity. I can remember being four years old and going to my mother and saying, why are we Jewish? And she said, because my mother was Jewish. And I said, well, why is she Jewish? Well, because her mother was Jewish. Why was she Jewish? Because her mother was Jewish. I said, that's really dumb. <laughs> I said, we should be having a religion that's true. I remember that when I said when I was four years old. Although that body is gone. But that's not the only evidence of consciousness. The other evidence of consciousness is the ability to adapt and react to changing circumstances. So this is true not only on an individual level, it's also true on an organizational level. And this is another one of my favorite quotes, where Bhakti Siddhanta talks about a living spiritual movement that's not a mechanical system. How do you have an organization? How do you have a society that is alive? just like an individual is alive. And Bhaktisiddhanta Saraswati tells us that if, if your organization isn't alive, then it's killing spiritual life, and spiritual life isn't going to flourish in it. When we're thinking of strategic planning for ourselves or for our organization, it should be done in such a way that our organization remains alive, and each of the people are spiritually alive within it. So what are the two factors for a spiritually alive organization? This is from Dr. Roger Fink, who's one of the two main sociologists that study whether or not religious institutions remain alive. And he says organizational vitality, again we have this concept of aliveness, preserving core teachings as they introduce innovations for serving members and adapting to their changing environments. Do the same thing here. I keep my identity, but I can respond to the environment and change accordingly. I'm sure you all remember Srila Prabhupada's Vyas Puja to his Srila Prabhupada, where he said, the oldest of all, but in new dress, miracle done, your divine grace. The oldest of all, but in new dress. And here Srila Prabhupada says that the expert devotees discover novel ways and means. Devotional service is dynamic activity. He says, Kalapatra should be taken into consideration. It is a principle that a preacher must strictly follow the rules and regulations and at the same time devise a means by which the preaching work may go on with full force. You still see these two things. Prabhupada's talking about both of them as a principle. Keep the essence. Don't change the essence, but deliver, adapt, change the essence to make it relevant and relatable, to make it real. And here again, I have to, Prabhupada's saying, we have to adopt Deshkalapatra, but we keep the principles. That is required. So both are required. 
Keeping the principles, keeping one's identity is required, and at the same time, knowing how to make that relevant and real. Oldest of all, but a new dress, miracle done with divine grace. How to take that which is the truth, the absolute truth, and make it true now for the people in front of you, for the society in front of you. Have it be something where they can feel this is real. Relevant and relatable. So the hearer is saying this is relevant, it's relatable. What do we mean by that? By relevant, I can use this, I need it. Yes, this is what I needed. This is what I needed. I don't have to go someplace else. How many of our members are now going someplace else for what they need? Do they go to psychology? Do they go to sociology? Do they go here? Do they go there? Oh yes, Krishna consciousness has all the answers. But, but, are we giving them all the answers? And are we giving them answers they can use? When you sit in your Bhagavatam classes or your Bhakti Shastri classes or all the different educational programs, do you always come out of it saying, I can use this? I really needed that. Well, it really answered the questions that I needed. Are all the members walking out and saying, yes, I had a really important question, a really important need, a really important mystery, and it's been solved for me. Now I can put this to use in my life. And relatable, so relevant is I can use this, and, and relatable is I can use this. I can understand it, it makes sense to me. It makes sense to the house I go back to, the work I go back to, the service I go back to. It makes sense to me when I want to take Mahaprabhu's movement and spread it all over the world. Relevant and relatable. So I'd like us to, to think for a minute. You have educational programs that are relevant and relatable, and you have educational programs that are not relevant and relatable. I have a flip chart and I have pens, but my leash like those horses on the carousel. Okay. Anybody? What's the same? Another saying. Sometimes a lot of effort, isn't it? 
put just as much effort into preparing and teaching an irrelevant and unrelatable program, <laughs> and you gotta put a lot more effort into learning it. Different. The type of effort. Type of effort. Learning center instead of teaching center. It addresses the real needs of the person. So if we want programs that are relevant and relatable, We gotta know what people are doing. Sorry. <laughs> we, gotta, we gotta know. You can't just guess. You gotta actually know. What are they doing? What are they concerned about? Yeah. Whenever I, I go to a, a new temple, which I do frequently, and I'll ask somebody there, what are the main problems in the community? And I have yet to have somebody answer that from the point of view of the people in the community. They always answer that from their perspective. Well, the problems in the community is not enough people are coming to the morning program. And not enough people are going out of book distribution. And not enough people are donating to the temple. And I say, oh, that's really helpful for Boo. But I mean, when the members of your community wake up in the morning, what are they worrying about? Are they waking up in the morning saying, I haven't distributed a book for a week. What are they waking up? What are their concerns? And nine times out of 10, the leaders cannot answer those questions of mine. They haven't a clue. It's hard to be relevant and relatable to people when you don't relate to them. And you don't know what's relevant to them. One of our problems with strategic planning in ISKCON, can I be honest here? One of the things I like about Radhadesh is that I can be honest, is that a lot of people doing the strategic planning have been so far separated from the lives of the people that they're planning for that they couldn't be relevant and relatable if they wanted to. So if we want to be relevant and relatable, we've got to know. How are people living? I'll give you an example. Many years ago, uh, when I was giving a Bhagavatam class, the purport was about austerity. So I mentioned that one austerity is eating only food cooked by devotees. As especially if husband and wife work, children are going to school, it can be very difficult. So there was one Sanyasi, who was listening to my class, and he gave class the next day, at which he completely blasted me and said, it's very easy to only eat prasadam, that is not a austerity. And I went up to him afterwards and I said, Maharaj, it's not an austerity for you. Everywhere you go, somebody cooks for you and serves you. and you're living outside and you've taken your children shoe shopping and it's gotten to be seven o'clock at night and you still haven't found shoes for them and they're getting to be hungry and you're not willing to buy any non-devotee cooked food, it's an austerity. 
and you finally get home at 8.30 at night and you think, what can I cook in five minutes? So you have to know what are people doing? What are their lives actually like? What are their real concerns? What is shaping their lives? And then you've got to use that knowledge to craft your strategies, to craft your education programs. And somebody say, well, you know, we're just doing what we've always done. What's wrong with that? I mean, come on. People are people, the world's the world. I mean, the way we planned our strategies in 78, and one, one devotee recently was saying how he really liked visiting a temple because he felt like he was, this particular temple, because he felt like he was back in the 70s. And I was reading that thinking, I don't know if that's a good thing. So, if we're saying, well, the way that we did things back in 74 and 82, you know, why can't we just keep doing them that way? What's wrong with that? Well, what's wrong with that is something that Krishna says, and he probably knows what he's talking about, in the Bhagavad Gita where he says that physical nature is constantly changing. So if we think, well, everything's just going to go on exactly the way it was in the past, we can make our strategic plans and plan our educational programs exactly the way we did them 10 or 15 or 20 years ago, well, then we won't be able to cope with things that are unexpected. Krishna likes unexpected things, by the way. He likes surprises. Hmm? Does Krishna like surprises? Please don't think that Goloka Vrindavan is a boring place. We read about Krishna's Lila, with there are lots of surprises? You go to play with Krishna in the forest, and there's a monster. <laughs> And all different kinds of monsters. Some of them swallow Krishna, some of them swallow you. <laughs> some of them make a dust storm in Vrindavan. It's unexpected things. But if we think everything's just going to go along the way it's always going to go along, when something unexpected comes up, our strategic plans don't allow us to deal with them. And we won't challenge our assumptions. Now, we could talk about this for a couple weeks about the biases that each of us have, the assumptions that each of us have, that we do not know that we have. We just think that's the way it is. Our assumptions come from our particular family we were brought up in, the culture we were brought up in. They also come from the particular way we were trained when we joined the Hare Krishna movement. That was another kind of childhood for many of us other than those of you who joined the Hare Krishna movement at birth. For most of us, we had another kind of childhood where however our particular temple commander or Sankirtan leader or Brahmacharya leader or whatever told us this is the way you do things, then we just have assumptions about how things are supposed to be done. We don't even know we have these assumptions. We just think that's just the way it is. Of course it's, we, we, our assumptions seem to us like self-evident truths. Again, long discussion. But if we think that we don't have to find out any information about people in order to serve them properly and in order to do strategic planning, we'll never even find out our biases and assumptions, what to speak of, challenge them. And then, unfortunately, being stuck in our own assumptions 
then we'll also downplay other people's genuine concerns and beliefs and hopes and fears. That when people come to us and say, this isn't working for me, Prabhu, we'll say, you're the problem. If someone says, I'm not finding the way things are going or really preparing me for how I want to serve Srila Prabhupada and Chaitanya Mahaprabhu in the world and in my life, we'll say, it's your problem. You're not sincere. You're not dedicated. You, how have you been chanting your hands? How much reading did you do yesterday? We, we won't think that it's my responsibility as the teacher and the strategist to connect with them. Now, we not only have to be relevant, I mean, have to be. I like to tell people there's only two things you have to be. You have to be alive, you cannot die. And you have to serve, it's our Sanatana Dharma, so it's not really have to. But if we want to be relevant and relatable, if we want to find our life as educators, if we want to give that freedom and exaltation to our students and to society, then we not only have to be relevant and relatable to the people that we're teaching, but we have to be relevant to our teacher. We have to know what his plans. How does Mahaprabhu intend, and I'm going to talk about this more in my seminar tomorrow, right? Yeah, tomorrow. How does Mahaprabhu intend to unfold the lotus of his Sankirtan movement? You know, it went, this is so embarrassing, but anyway, when I was new in the Hare Krishna movement, I remember my mother coming and saying, your movement's really impractical. She said, you go out and distribute books and tell people to move into your temples, and they go out and distribute books and tell people to move into the temples. She said, is the whole world going to fit inside your temples? And I thought, what an envious army. I'm sorry, but I really did think that at the time. And it, it fascinates me how when our first child was born in 1974, I had no vision for his future. None. At all. I just thought, he'll be a devotee. I mean, this is a really embarrassing mission, but that was, that was the mood. He'll, he'll just be a devotee. He'll go on Sankirtan. He'll be a sannyasi. That's a stupid idea. <laughs> or he'll live on a farm and, and start Varnashram by milking cows. I don't know, it was all vague and cloudy and fuzzy and... Now, how do you make a strategic plan for your kid or your family or well, you don't know where you're going? You're not, you're not dealing with anything that's real. Did we really meditate then on what were Mahaprabhu's plans? Did we really look at Srila Prabhupada's statements about how the movement would spread and try to make strategic plans in that way? And the answer, I have to say, was basically no. I mean, I remember when we moved to Gitanagari and they were taking care of the herd of cows just like the cow killing farms were doing. They were milking them mechanically. They were breeding them once a year through artificial insemination. And we were getting so many cows. And I remember my husband went to the town president at the time and said, what's your 20-year plan for taking care of the cows? He said, don't you have faith in Krishna? What's wrong with you? 
So we might want to really think not only to be connected with the people that we're teaching, but to be connected with Mahaprabhu. And, and how does Mahaprabhu, how does Srila Prabhupada aim, envision, spreading the Sankirtan movement all over the world? Because we don't just want to connect with people's concerns and fears and how am I going to pay my debts and how am I going to stop fighting with my wife and my boss is driving me crazy and how do I get my rounds done when I have to be at work at 6 in the morning. Those are the real fears of the people we teach, by the way. But to help them get their concerns met in Krishna consciousness, we have to know how Krishna consciousness is going to unfold, at least to some extent. Otherwise, how are we going to guide them in the right way and make the proper strategic plans? So, instead of getting stuck in our own assumptions and our own experience, we want to be open to the direction of Krishna and Guru. How do we do this? So that was, so far, that was the theory, the principles. Principles is a two-way connection. If we want to be relevant and relatable, a two-way connection. I'm going to say this way connection, open mind, open heart. This way connection, open will. All right, practice. How are we going to do this? How are we going to make our education, our strategic plans? Education both informs strategic plans. We should, the educators should be educating the strategists. And the strategic plans should include education. So how are we going to do this? So this fellow is one of the top management gurus in the world. He's also a Westerner who's become a Buddhist. And he's developed a system of strategic planning that is in harmony with some Buddhist principles, which are also very much the same as our Vaishnava principles. So I found his work very fascinating. I found his work also fascinating because rather than taking modern Western ideas and tacking on another philosophy, he actually went to his philosophy to see what their ideas are. And ultimately, I would like us to be able to do this as well. To go to our own shastras, to go to our own tradition, and see what are our own guiding principles for strategy and education. So the way he puts it is that the process for connecting to Krishna, of course he's thinking the whole, but anyway, the process for connecting to Krishna and connecting to the people we serve is the capacity to sense an emerging reality and act in harmony. So how do we do this? How do we gain knowledge of the emerging future? It's like really how do you connect with the present so that you're in touch with Krishna in the present and you're in touch with the people you serve at the present. So we're looking at our three sources of gaining knowledge, Prachaksha, Anuman, and Shabda. So Prachaksha by listening and observing, Anuman by analyzing, and Shabda by gaining true wisdom and understanding to interpret what we see, hear, touch, feel, and analyze in an openness of mind, heart, and will. So we're going to give an example of Srila Prabhupada, how Srila Prabhupada made a decision, made a strategic decision based on this open mind, open heart, open will, Prachaksha Anuman and Shabda. How when Srila Prabhupada decided that he was going to go to America, that he wasn't going to keep preaching in India, 
to the English, because Bhakti Sinanta just said, preach to English-speaking people in English. I was pretty open. So why did he decide, well, I'm going to do it in America instead of keep doing it in India, and why did he decide America over UK? What was the basis for his decision? What was the basis for his strategic plan? So here's one explanation. He saw that America was becoming the leader of the world. That's projection. Anandamon, yes? He's looking and he's seeing that people in the world are following the Americans. And here's another projection, Anandamon. He's saying that I can't get the Indians to accept, but if the Americans accept, and then I bring the Americans back to India, then the Indians will say, oh, the Americans are doing it, it must be good. But there was also Shabda. There was also that connection with Krishna. When Prabhupada says, Krishna told me to go to America. So all three were there. Prabhupada was using his senses to observe, he was using his logic to analyze, and he was taking direction from Krishna. Is that clear? Everybody got that so far? Okay. This is another big management guru. The success of an intervention depends on the interior condition of the intervenor. If you want to make a new strategy for education, you want to have education that's effective. You want to have success. It depends on one's internal consciousness. And that starts, of course, with humility. This is from the process of knowledge. Begins with humility. In this context, I'm not saying this is the only, the only definition of humility or the only way to demonstrate humility. Again, I'm not saying that. But in this context, for this presentation, how can we demonstrate humility? Now you have in your booklets, if you want to open it up, you have the same little chart that I'm going to create for you, something that you can. It's in color. Sixth page. Huh? Sixth page. Sixth? Sixth. Sixth page. Sixth page. Sixth this is your little take-home model. So what can we do? First of all, we can stop and listen to others. Stop and listen to others. What are their needs? What are their concerns? What are their lives about? And really pay attention. What is the service I'm being called to do? And not only just listening, but sensing, getting a feel, getting a connection, getting an empathy, really connecting with people. Figuring out not just the individuals, but getting a sense of the whole system. How are the individuals feeling? How is the system operating? And connecting with Krishna. Now, whether we're putting this as a discrete step, one would hope that one would be connecting with Krishna always. 
But connecting with Krishna, this is what I've picked up intellectually and emotionally. What does it mean? These are the needs and concerns and lives of the people I'm serving. This is how the world is going. What does this mean to you, Lord? How are these things I'm observing and these things I'm sensing evidence of how you want to manifest your movement in the world? How are they evidence of the tension between the advance of Kali Yuga and the advance of Mahaprabhu's movement? And what do you want me to do about it so as to advance Mahaprabhu's movement and decrease the advance of Kali and bring each individual along with that? Then, creating a prototype. All right, we have some idea now of what's needed and where the Lord wants to go. Let's try it on a small scale. Let's try it on a small scale with a few people, see how it goes, what happens. Explore things by actually doing them, taking some risks. Did Papa take risks? Did Papa take risks? Oh boy. And then when you get prototypes that work, expanding them. Did some of the prototypes Papa tried not work? Yes. Some of the prototypes Prabhupada tried worked, and some did not. You try different prototypes, put them into action, see what actually connects, and then take those the ones that work and expand. Oops, sorry about this. We love computers sometimes. So this first step is the opened mind. The open mind. Not just listen and observe, but listen and observe with an open mind. This is part of humility. I don't know. Not that I'm listening with the idea of imposing something I already know upon you. And not that I'm listening with the idea of defeating you or that I'm listening so I can know how to manipulate you, but I'm listening to actually learn because I don't know. And I'm willing to have what I hear and what I see challenge my assumptions. I'm willing to have what I hear and what I see challenge my assumptions and show me new and unexpected ways in which Mahaprabhu is expanding his movement and new and unexpected ways in which people need to apply Krishna consciousness. But not just an open mind, but an open heart. An open heart to actually connect. Again, I don't know. I don't want to just know on some ethereal, intellectual idea what you're doing and what's going on. I want to feel it. As Krishna says in the sixth chapter, the yogi knows the pains and pleasures of others by their own experience. Prabhupada talks about soul to soul being the super soul. To get real empathy, an actual connection, and Lord Brahma talks about how he's heartbroken to see the sufferings of the living entities. 
He says, I am simply concerned with love for them. Prahlad Maharaj, who just had the Singha Dave's appearance today, also speaks like this, that he has his feelings. Not just, okay, yeah, you know, these are the people's problems, and this is what I need, and this is Mahaprabhu's mission, and yeah, we should do this, and let's make this plan, and let's have this educational program. And, no, it's something from the heart. And also an open heart, again, not just to connect with the jivas you're serving, but an open heart to connect with the Lord. Krishna, how should I understand this? How should I respond to this? What does it mean? How do you want me to respond to this? What do you want me to do with this? Not just going right to our own experiences and our cultural or familiar or whatever biases and interpreting everything through our own limited and defective biases. I love it how we say there's four defects of the conditioned soul, right? What are they? Imperfect senses, mistakes, cheating, and illusion. But how many times do we think they apply to? Gosh. Should I make another embarrassing admission? Do you know when I first actually accepted that they applied to me when I was taking a course in teaching taught by non-devotees. I'm really serious. You know, I would regularly go to seminars for my professional life, and I was going to a seminar taught by non-devotees who didn't even have a religious perspective. And they're the ones who convinced me that I made perfect senses, cheating, illusion, and make mistakes. Is that weird? I thought it was really weird. I was very embarrassed. But then I figured out that, hey, you know, we say that, like, we're illusion to make mistakes and cheat. But that's all those hogs, dogs, camels, and asses out there. And then you say, well, Prabhu, are you a pure devotee? Me? No, of course, I'm not a pure devotee. Well, then maybe you have imperfect senses, and maybe you cheat and make mistakes. So this is part of humility. Hmm? To gather things with an open mind and open heart and to interpret them with an open heart. I don't know. Do you know how liberating it is to say, I don't know? I'm that from Jai Dharma Swami. I don't know. Krishna, you fill me with knowledge. What does it mean to you? And then you gotta do something with it. We're not just contemplative bhajananandis sitting up in a cave in the Himalayas. Then there has to be an open will, like Jesus said, thy will be done. I'm giving to Krishna my thoughts, my feelings, and my will. So then I use the wisdom gained by connecting with other jivas and by connecting with Krishna, and I leave my will open to Krishna. Lord, how do you want me to manifest this? in plans and programs. And I do this first by prototyping, by risking, by trying. And then by taking the prototypes that work and expanding them. An open mind, an open heart, and an open will. Another one of my favorite quotes, 
nine purport, the whole purport's worth reading. I mean, every purport's worth reading, but <laughs> reminds me one time when it was a feast and I looked at one of the devotees and said, this prasadam is really good. She said, all prasadam is good. So yes, all the purports are wonderful, but I'm particularly directing you in this context of this purport. Where Prabhupada says, according to one's attitude, Krishna becomes one's direct advisor, or Krishna becomes unknown according to one's receptiveness. Receptive is open. I have an open mind, open heart, and open will. Observe, listen, empathize. Empathize with Krishna, connect with Krishna, try. Use the results of your trying to expand. Now, if we have an open mind and open heart, what kind of things are we going to get when we look out at the jivas we're serving? Where do we want to look at? when we're making strategic plans, planning our educational initiatives. Again, I see this too. Education, education should inform the strategic planners and education should be part of the strategic plan. You, you get those two, yes? Okay, so when we're trying to do either both of those things, what do we want to know more about? We want to know about various religious or spiritual organizations and the environment in which they're operating the services we provide, and how they might change. Years ago, there was a strategic planning group operating in North America in connection with the GBC, and they made a list of 17 areas of service that ISKCON provides to the general public and to its members, and guess what was not there? How did you know that? And I went to my GBC at the time, and I said, Maharaj, why is education not on the list? And he said, oh, it's included there in a sub-subcategory or something. And I said, yeah, right, whatever. So the services we provide and how they might change. Do we provide different services now than we did in 1972? Yes? Do you think the services we provide might change in the next year or five years or 10 years? The people we serve and how their expectations might change. The people who joined ISKCON in 1982, do they have different expectations than the people joining today? Yeah, some are the same, obviously. They expect to fall in love with Krishna and go back to God. But as far as our educational specific expectations, these change. Any issues that are likely to affect us, issues in the economy, issues in political environments, are there any greater issues that are likely to affect the people that we serve? Are there any emerging or converging technologies that might affect us? Do you know how long it took us to have Prabhupada's books in ebook format? We were like 10 years behind. Krishna Dharma told me that he sells 10 times more books as in ebook format than he ever sold printed. 10 years. The technology was available before we were taking advantage of it. Also to be aware, what, what technologies are people using and how can we use that to plan our strategies and our education? And emerging shifts in anything in our own organization or in the world in general. 
that looks like some change in business and usual, and what groups to look at. We well, want to look at the world in general. Hopefully we'll serve the world in general, yes? And we want to look at spiritual organizations, Eastern spiritual and other spiritual, religious organizations, both Hindu and non-Hindu, and Vaishnavas, both ISKCON and non-ISKCON. So those are the areas we want to look at, and these are the groups that we want to look at. So Krishna knows how to deal according to time, place, and country. So that means you've got to understand something about time, place, and country. How are you going to deal according to time, place, and country if you don't know what time, place, and country you're in? You were talking about Bhumi, yes? This is from Bhumi and Dharma, this is from that part of the Bhagavatam. So this is knowledge, the power of understanding the circumstantial and environments, circumstantial environments of place, object, and time. The power to do that is knowledge. If we're knowledge brokers, then we should have the knowledge to be able to understand what circumstances we're in. Okay, what about open will? We really should have your open heart and open will anyway. Then how does the Lord desire us to act according to this knowledge? There needs to be a link. In the education world, there's a bunch of education theorists. Yes, we've talked about this a lot. There's education theorists that are just staying in their academic institutions and do research and write papers and never interact in the world. So how do we take this knowledge that we've gleaned and use it in Mahaprabhu's mission? How does Krishna want us to act? So Rupa Goswami tells us that it's not enough to know place, time, and person. If you really know it, your actions will reflect that knowledge. It will show up in your actions. It will show up in your plans and your execution of your plans. All right. So now we know the principle from Sadhu Shastra Guru of what to do. We know the practice from Sadhu Shastra and Guru of what to do. And what can we do? We can ask these questions. What are the current and emerging needs of those we teach? And how is Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu's movement actually spreading? That we'll explore a little bit more tomorrow. And then once we know that, then we can say, what are the implications of the answers of, for these two questions for ISKCON? What does this mean for ISKCON? And then, how do I respond? How do I, as an educator, respond to this? What kind of plans and programs do I institute? So this is what I, I'd like to ask all of us to make a commitment to do. To research. What are the current and emerging needs of those we teach? How is Mahaprabhu's movement actually spreading? What does that mean for ISKCON, and how am I going to respond? What are the current and emerging needs of the people that we serve? Where are they? How is Mahaprabhu's movement actually spreading? What does this mean? What am I going to do about it? What are the current and emerging needs of the people I serve? How, how is Mahaprabhu's movement actually spreading? What does it mean? What am I going to do about it? to have an open mind, an open heart, and an open will. 
to pay attention, to listen, to observe, to connect, to have empathy, to connect with the people I'm serving, to connect with the Lord, to prototype, and then to expand the successful models. Suppose we all did this. Suppose we as educators could educate the strategists in our movement to do this. Now I should say this presentation is an adaptation, a shortened, greatly shortened, adaptation of a presentation that I was asked to present to the GBC and the leaders of the world as far as to inform strategic planning. At the last minute I was told, no, well, we don't want you to present it. So anyway, Hare Krishna. Uh, I think I had the wrong machine. Uh, yes. But if we can imagine, that's what I was told. I was told you have the wrong machine. Wasn't able to get a new machine very quickly. So if we can imagine if the educators in the world actually did this, if the educators in ISKCON did this, if our strategists did this, if they had an open mind, open heart, open will, if they really were getting information from the people that we serve, and really connecting with Krishna, breaking through their biases and assumptions, breaking through whatever happened in the past is the way we have to do it. What would things look like? The oldest of all, but in a new dress, miracle done, your divine grace. Now I'm not gonna ask you for the answers to this, but I just want you to think about it. What would ISKCON look like if its plans and educational programs for outreach and members are not relevant and relatable? And what would ISKCON look like if its plans and educational programs for outreach and members are relevant and relatable? Yes. 
I had a similar thing. I had, I'm automatically had a vision, and this is probably relevant. I had a vision of a, a, a young girl who represents spring. Oh, spring. It's probably relevant being a sort of the very understanding as the age of the later. Well, we'll just keep spring time. We want to hear from spring time. Community. If there's economic collapse in the world, then everything's hellish will be better for Christian consciousness. <laughs> That's been nuts. When Prabhupada talks about a Krishna conscious world society, doesn't he talk about peace and prosperity? Yeah? He does, yes? Yes? When Mars Yudhisthira was ruling, was everything like impoverished, like a Mumbai slum? No? Be really good for their spiritual life, Mars Yudhisthira said. <laughs> in poverty and disease. <laughs> okay, any others for our relevant? Yes. Public presence. A public presence. Optimism. Trust. Okay. Well integrated. Well integrated. Mars has got something here. Good. Yes. Yes, we won't have to chase people to sell the books. They will come and ask me. Oops, you'll have to chase some people. Just my little academic page for those of you who are academics. And we have seven minutes.
Next time I do a presentation, I'm going to call you up first before I do that. Contemplative consultation. Thank you. And it's even alliterative. Yes. Um, at the beginning of your talk, you mentioned how it was unfortunate that uh, despite what we promise, people have to go elsewhere mm. to find it. And yet, at times, in your own experience, you described how it was beneficial to go elsewhere. You learn principles or experience them elsewhere. Um, is, where is the balance between providing in-house and providing outside? Because we may not be able to provide everything in-house. So where do we draw the line? Oh, I wish that we had access to all the Shastras and that we had places of learning and teaching where we could learn everything from a devotional point of view. I wish there was no outside. I wish there was a golden age and everybody was in Mahaprabhu's movement. And the science of teaching and learning and the science of how to fix your car and the science of how to spell and everything could be taught just by people who were also devotionally inclined. How I wish. So because that doesn't yet exist, at a certain point, people like me said, uh, if one of the 26 qualities of a devotee is daksha, then I better get out and get moving. Prabhupada, Prabhupada talked about in 76 how in the, he was conflating the Gurukul with the Brahmacharya Ashram. Not unreasonably so. And he said that one of the qualities of the Brahmacharya is daksha, that he should know something of everything and everything of something. So how are you going to learn something of everything and everything of something? You're going to have to go to other sources. I don't see it as a balance. I see it as just it's part of our service. And we did a real disservice to people at a time when we really, I mean, when I first started taking courses, I, I had to hide it. People would have said I was disqualified as a Guru teacher if I was taking professional training courses. Does that seem incomprehensible to some of you who joined us later? But that was the mood. The mood was I couldn't tell anybody that I was going to take professional training and reading professional books. But I wish that everything had a devotional perspective. It wasn't, I mean, yeah, you could get gold out of a filthy place, but it'd be a lot nicer to get gold in a nice place. So I'd like us to come to that point I'd like us to develop to that point where we can explain. It's like, there's that lovely purport, right, in the first canto. What is it? Psychology, chemistry. Anybody know the whole list? I know psychology and chemistry are on the list. Yes, just ask What's in the Anthropology. Anthropology is there. That all these things, when used in the service of the Lord, become harikirtans? Hmm? Science. Science. I mean, all these things that generally devotees look at, go, yeah, man. And Prabhupada said they're all, they can all be hard to time. I'd like us to come to that point. I'd like us to revive the Vedic arts and knowledge. And in the meantime, what can you do? If you want to learn these things, you know, if you need your gold. But at least what we should be able to provide for people, the very least, is we should be able to provide the principles for guidance in all areas of life. That we should be able to provide now. We may not be able to provide 
the Shastric Vedic Krishna conscious viewpoint on management or the Shastra Krishna conscious Vedic viewpoint on learning spelling or something like that. But we can provide principles. Often, however, we are not doing so. We already have that. We have all those tools. But often we don't we don't mind them. We've already got that gold. We don't we don't do it. We often have educational programs that are irrelevant and unrelatable. And although the it's, it's there, it's there. The the food to feed the hunger of our audience. We already have the ingredients for it in our pantry. We're just not serving it. So at least we can do that immediately. We may not be able to teach people how to build airplanes immediately. What to speak of flower airplanes? But the principles, how you can operate an airplane, how you can build an airplane in Krishna consciousness, Mama Dusma, Yudhicha, that we can get now. Does that answer your question? I think you have time for one more, and then we have to stop. Yes? As you were speaking, I think I got you right, you mentioned about people setting strategies and you know, sort of not including education or something like that. And I found myself thinking, well, we, we better go and tell them. Good luck. We better go and tell them. And then I realized that it seems that someone's going to have to listen. Because that's your message. We have to listen and understand the need. So if there are people setting strategies that are not related to education, it seems someone is going to have to listen to those people. Hmm. My question is, who? Maybe some of us in this room. Hopefully. Hopefully. I'm hoping. I have a lot of trust that, as a teacher, I have a lot of trust as a teacher that Krishna brings together particular, me as a teacher, with particular audiences to deliver particular messages at particular times. And that the right people are there and the people who don't need to be there are not there. So, I don't know, you know, that's, that we shall see, but I hope so. And sometimes it might not be someone here, but it might, might be someone that someone here speaks to. Or it might be someone that someone here speaks to, who speaks to, who speaks to, who speaks to. I got Srila Prabhupada's book, not from a book distributor, but from a book distributed. You understand? And actually, I got the book because one of my good friends, boyfriend's roommate, got the book. So the book went to him, and he discussed it with his roommate, who was the boyfriend of my friend, who brought me there. So that's how I got the book. Some people get books because someone threw it in a rubbish bin. So I don't know if it would be somebody here, but somebody here may say something to somebody there, and even that somebody there may say something to somebody there, and that somebody there may say something to somebody there and eventually it gets to the person who asks. So I have, I've seen this practically, so I have this faith. So I hope you enjoyed this. I hope it gave you something to think about. If I said anything that you thought was foolish or ridiculous, please ignore it. If I said anything that had any value, then I hope you can take it on board. Thank you very much for tolerating me, and thank you very much to Srila Prabhupada for this wonderful Krishna consciousness. Hare Krishna. As a keynote is meant to do, um, 
this keynote address so expertly set the principles and the parameters um, that can guide and inform our discussion over the next three days or two and a half days. Um, and uh, the, the principles that Urmila described here uh, can um, certainly uh, provide some uh, uh, direction to what we talk about in terms of being relevant and relatable. Uh, and so um, I want to take this opportunity to thank her once more for providing us with this very thoughtful uh, and provocative uh, keynote address that um, really I, I hope will uh, lead us onward towards uh, wonderful discussions this afternoon and uh, in the coming days. So please join me once again in offering her a very warm round of applause. There is lunch going to be served now in the main classroom, uh, which is on the other end of the castle. Um, so it's not in the castle, it's a building next to it, but on the other end of Radhadesh. Uh, not too far away, but please do get directions if you need it from any one of the residents or regular visitors here. Um, is there anything else that's not approved? Okay, we'll be back here at 3.30. Okay, we will be back here at 3.30. Thank you all very much. Thank you.